Welcome to the show, Paul. Adam here in studio talking Art of Living. Great to be with you, Adam. How's it going, man? This feels so right. <laughs> it's been too long. We've taken a couple of weeks off. Summer, we've had a lot going on. Well, you've been traveling. Summers are always busy for you. You travel all over the country, spreading the gospel in different areas and uh, having lots of good stories when you get back. So. No one's complained that the show hasn't been on. I mean, we've had some reruns of the show. I've gotten complaints. Um, but, you know, I haven't gotten any hate well, mail. Well, you've been, you've been out of the state, so you haven't heard it. I've been back here hearing it. I know, but I have a phone. It's like, Adam, where's the show? I need more know, Paul. Social media, you know, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. You know, well, Every, I've, everyone's I've still it. fine. Yeah, we're, yeah. But this is good. This is good. It feels right. <laughs> it's good to be back, man. How, what have you been doing? You know, this summer for the Conk family, um, it's been exciting because... I don't know if you know this, but each week when we do this show, it actually impacts my life. Because right. like we talk about something, I hear something you say, and I'm like, man. So I started working on my own like vision statement for my life and mission and goals, and and then I kind of took the family into that. So like Marianne did her own, which was exciting, and like so we're we're in the universe of you know just getting a vision for our life and our work and our family and kind of working together on that, which is an exciting place to be. It's yeah. not boring. That's that's awesome. It's exciting. It is exciting. When you get clarity on like your purpose and mm-hmm. your vision, your mission, you do that as an individual, you do it as an organization, uh, a company, uh, it empowers you actually, mm-hmm. you know? And so a lot of times people are like, man, I don't have time for that. Well, you don't have, you don't have time not to do it, yeah. right? Because without it, then you just get stuck. You go the wrong direction. Uh, you get off course, all that. So Well, it's amazing. I'm shocked that, how easy it makes saying no. Yeah. Which not necessarily has been a huge struggle for me, but like I've never felt confident. It, it's taken a lot for me to feel confident saying no to something that someone needs. But now that I have some clarity on like, or gaining that some traction on seeing what the Lord wants for me in my life, much easier to say no and be at peace. All right. So I want to do a, have you seen section, but I think I, I want to retitle this, this segment as, have you ever been in this situation? What did you say? That is so interesting. Are you for real, though? I'm for real. So have you ever been in this situation? <laughs> a lot of times when I travel, Adam, I end up in situations that, you know, I'm, I don't know that are going to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if I'm going to speak at a conference or whatnot. It's part of the fun. It's part of the adventure, mm-hmm. which is, you know, at times it's like, okay, I've been doing this so long, kind of, you know, over it. <laughs> um, you don't know who's going to pick you up. Where they're mm-hmm. gonna drop you off, you know, what airport, and you know where you're gonna sleep, and a lot of times there's just some things that are unknown, <laughs> you know, when uh, there's a coordinator or coordinators and volunteers on the other end, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of the times you, you you you're meeting new people that you know you'll see for ten fifteen minutes on a ride to the airport or whatnot. So I've found myself, and I get your stories all day long but so just recently i was traveling somewhere and um this woman was driving us to the airport now i hadn't met her for the weekend she was just volunteering to uh take me and a couple other presenters to back to the airport okay Mm -hmm. uh to go home and by the end of a weekend like you're exhausted right and so we get in the car the airport's like a 15 minute ride and um you know this woman within the first five minutes uh had ran three red lights and I was like, I'm going to die, first of all. Are and you I'm serious? talking about like, not like yellow, 
like, like straight all, red, like just straight like red. That's unbelievable. And just rolling through them. Now you know she's a little bit old, and she kept saying, "You know, I'm a little crazy." And I'm like, <laughs> "Are you serious?" Yeah, I swear. And so I was like, "Yes, you are in my mind." But this is what confirmed the crazy. Okay, you ready for this? Uh huh. So she's telling me that, uh, which is great. She's beautiful, and and I'm kind of having fun with this. But this did happen. Uh, that um, she um, volunteers and helps out with missionaries of charity. Mm-hmm. You know, sisters, the Mother Teresa's sisters, right? Mm-hmm. Saint Saint Mother Teresa. And uh, so she's telling stories and going off, and then she says, "You know, I met Mother Teresa." And, I, and then, like at that point, I'm like all ears. Tell me more. Tell me more. Like you met Mother Teresa, like in the flesh. Like I want a story, and I'm. You know, I'm intrigued by Mother Teresa's stories. It's just mm-hmm. one of those things that always gets my attention. Like, tell yeah. me tell me a real-life story. Like, tell me a mm-hmm. real-life interaction. Tell me what you saw, what you heard. And when, you, when we have grown up knowing contemporary saints, mm-hmm. those stories are like, they're real. Like, people yeah. have witnessed them. John Paul II, you know, uh, vulnerable... Uh, Sheen, uh, Sheen yeah. um, Padre Pio, Padre Pio. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're contemporary saints that people have met who are still alive who know stories, and so so you're like really getting into this. Yeah, like, at this me, point, I'm carsick. We've run three red lights. <laughs> I'm about to puke, but she says I've met Mother Teresa, and so I'm like, okay, like I will come out of my little nap, and uh, <laughs> and I'm all ears. So she starts telling me a story about Mother Teresa, about meeting Mother Teresa. It's as real as like you and I sitting here. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then about 10 minutes into the story, 10 minutes. Okay. Yeah. She takes a breath and she goes, well, you know, I mean, I met her in a book. Mm. I'm like, wait, what? Like she was in a book. She, <laughs> she never met mother Teresa. Ah, so she, she met mother Teresa by reading a book about mother Teresa. So with the red lights, with the car sickness, with the, I'm a little crazy. This was kind of like this was like the final straw of confirmation <laughs> of me, like, oh, yeah, I'm just need to go along with it. So tell me more. You tell know, me like, more about your yeah yeah. So so here's the question that I have for you. Okay okay. If you have you can you give witness of meeting an important person, particularly maybe a saint that you read about in a book, or met in a book. That it just seems so real that it transformed you. Actually, yes. Now, besides the Bible, okay, besides, yeah, yeah. obviously, Jesus and the Bible, the apostles, you're like, man, it... it Actually, you know, yeah. So to take this, like, into, into real sight, so I don't want to discard what she's saying, because mm-hmm. I really felt like what she was saying was authentic. It was just weird, because the way she presented it was like she met her face-to-face. Mm-hmm. But the reality is she, she had an impact. She was impacted my Mother Teresa's life by reading about her. Right. And it made for a very memorable car ride for you. Yeah, and I could share it was just way out there. Like way out, out there. there. But I I don't thoroughly enjoy I don't it. want to deny the fact that she had it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so has there ever been a moment like that mm-hmm. where you're reading about someone or something, uh, particularly someone who's made an impact a saint, that you you've just you feel like you know the person in a sense. Yeah, I remember very vividly starting to read through Saint Teresa of Avila's writings. I had gotten through the interior castle, which is her most known work, you know, about prayer and going into that place in you where you can uh, 
interact with Christ, make him the king of your life, and have this intimacy with him. But it was actually when I was reading her autobiography um, about her life, which she mainly wrote for her sisters, you know. There's just something about the way she writes that's so believable or real. It just seems, because it's all over the place. Like, she's not a clear writer at all, you know. And she, she didn't need to be. She was writing for, like, her sisters, her nuns. Um, so she wasn't, like, you know, joining the academic community or, you know, writing the spiritual work that people were reading for hundreds of years. It's not what she thought. And so it's it's literally just all over the place. And so it's all her personality. It's like you're... It's like you're having coffee with her more than she's publishing a work. You know what I mean? Gotcha. And so that experience of like that level of realism where it, like I said, it's like she's in the room with you had the effect on me. Mm -hmm. Like, and still to this day, like when I think about St. Teresa of Avila, which is not that often, right? Um, I mean, I, I love her, but it's not like she's a saint that forms my daily spirituality mm -hmm. but when i think about her i think about that time we had you know and i feel like i've met her if i've, I've encountered her if that makes sense yeah no it makes sense you know for me if you're going to flip the question back yeah at me is i mean there's a i think you know a really influential saintly person who's still alive in emeritus pope benedict mm -hmm. okay so mm -hmm. i've read a lot about him and i feel like if i actually sat down with him i would feel like I would say something like, you remember when you told me? <laughs> like, you see what I'm saying? Um, remember when you told me this? Mm -hmm. And it would seem so real that we've had conversations from reading. But in 1995 uh, was the first time, like, I get, if I can be honest, like, I didn't read much growing up. Mm. And, me neither. Me um, neither. Like, through high school, I didn't read. Mm. I really didn't start reading books till college. One, because you kind of had to read s certain textbooks or material. Um, but I think it was the first time, like I started kind of getting interested in reading, um, you know, obviously for me, non-fictional, you know, stuff that, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not much of a fictional reader. Uh, and so in 1985, I was at college, I think 95 would have been a, a junior in college, sophomore, junior, uh, in college. And I came across you know, a book by John Paul II in 1995, just called Crossing the Threshold of Hope. Mm -hmm, okay. Mm -hmm. um, were you alive in 95? I was. Okay. I was a full 10 years old, sir. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you were born in 85. I was in the 10s. Okay. So, so I would have been, yeah, I would have been 20. Mm -hmm. uh, and I didn't know much about John Paul II. Um, I, had, I had seen him at a World Youth Day. And of course, this is before the like the explode of the internet and like being able to find things. And so this was the first book that I got a hold of that that made this Pope come kind of come alive in a sense of like his heart and his reading. Yeah. If you've never read that book, um, I, I really need to go back to it. But for me, it was like I I felt like I met him mm -hmm. in the book. Mm -hmm. You talked a lot about obviously hope, the hope of Christ in the world. You know. And I think it was for me, you know, like I could probably have a conversation with him and be like, remember when you told me this? <laughs> it felt real. Mm -hmm. You know, so not to discard this woman who's like, I met Mother Teresa. She obviously didn't meet Mother Teresa, which she had me at I met Mother Teresa because mm -hmm. like if you met her face to face, I want to know. But to her credit, like she really got to know her. Mm -hmm. And if you read any of Mother Teresa's writings, like you, you get to know her. Mm -hmm. you know yeah well and 
if you meet missionaries of charity, it, that order just has such a special grace from God um, because of what he did in this, this little uh, nun, you know? But when you meet a missionary of charity, it's like you're meeting Mother Teresa, if you know what I mean. It's you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's kind of true. Like, they're all little Teresas. Yeah. Because there's just such a holiness about that group, the way they live their life, the their organization. And so if I'm, you know, volunteering with them or whatever, and, I, and I'm reading a book by Mother Teresa about Mother Teresa, it's like Mother Teresa is my mother, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I could totally see that experience, for sure. Yeah. All right. So we're going to be back. Paul and Adam talking order of living. Be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul and Adam talking Art of Living in studio. It's kind of been a while since we've been in here, man. This place Mm. looks the same. Yeah. And actually, it's August, so the, the Augusto heat in Louisiana is just, you know... I got to travel the three trips, you know, in July were all north, like Ohio, Minnesota, twice, and you know they're like it's so hot up here. And it was like high was eighty five, and I was like the spring like no weather, humidity. the spring weather was amazing. You know, it was like <laughs> eighty five spring for me, and uh, so it was a good good respite. Um, yeah, but people w- just don't get it. One of the you, places yeah. I traveled, so we, uh, and I met up with with an old friend. And some people got introduced and had lunch with a Navy SEAL. A real one. I didn't tell you this. That you're an old friend with? No. Um, so oh, you met the friends old introduced us, uh, Gretchen and I, and so we had we had lunch with, um, you know, I don't want to, you know, give it all away because I, mean, I don't know, man. I, you you know, might be taken out if you give too much information. Exactly. But anyway, so I'm having lunch with Navy SEAL like it's no big deal. <laughs> and uh, he and his wife and... Um, <clears throat> And, uh, you know, I mean, just great guy, but like, you know, like you can tell like the, the intense the power training that they've yeah. been through, right? The discipline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The discipline they've been through and what they're prepared for. Right. Yeah. And so one of the things that he was talking about is that, um, part of the Navy SEALs training that they do is really ultimately it's an, it's not about fighting. They're prepared to fight in combat and certain battle. But what they do is they go through every scenario of what could happen. Right? Mm-hmm. And then they pick the best plan based on all the scenarios. So it's like it's really layered. They're not just going in blazing saddles, right? They're they're literally like preparing to prepare to prepare. Mm-hmm. You know? And it really got me thinking. Like I, I remember one one person telling me like like the the missionaries of charity which we brought up were like the navy seals <laughs> of religious orders mm-hmm. like not everybody's cut out for it in a sense for that specific religious order but their 
their unique ability to be 100% completely and totally sold out for the mission of Christ. When you meet them, you know it. Right. Right. So when you meet a Navy SEAL, you're like, oh, right? So it's not like meeting you and I. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe in our best days we could have trained for that. Maybe not. But when you meet a Navy SEAL, you're like, oh, there's something different about you. Mm Mm-hmm. Like you're trained for something greater than the average person. Not that you're better. You're just you're just trained for something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you just know more, right? Mm-hmm. There's something different about you. The way you talk, the way you interact, the way you're built. Uh, you're you're just you're different. Here's what I'm getting at. Right? Is this? Is that the the move of Christianity is the needle's only going to move forward in our culture, and I think we're all experiencing what our culture looks like in a disappointing way, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I hear a lot of people complaining, you know, from everything from like, you know, politics to people leaving the church to where's the faith to, you know, complaining about the teachings and people not following them and, you know, all this, you know, liberal theology and all this yada yada. And I mean, I hear it all. You hear it all, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And to me, the only thing that's going to move the needle forward is if, is if Christians are sold out to the point where they look a little bit different in the culture, that it attracts people to Christianity. Yeah, and, and like a Navy SEAL situation, you notice this difference most in stress or difficult circumstances. You know, So, for example, if you're having lunch with that Navy SEAL and then I don't know, somebody with a gun or some whatever walks into the room, you see the preparation go into action, and that makes all the difference in the world, right? Right. This is, for Christians, is like the moments we shine is when someone mistreats us, when uh, we need to forgive someone, especially within a group setting because someone disrespected us in front of others, when we encounter someone in need, we need to be prepared for these moments and not act like they're a surprise. People are going to disrespect us. They are going to mistreat us. This is why Jesus told us this, you know? Right. And this is why Christians give up or, mm-hmm. you know, they get so discouraged. Easy. They get discouraged. They go through suffering or pain or, you know, some type of disappointment and they, and they just give up, right? Yeah. And it would be like the Navy SEAL just giving up when, like, the battle got tough. Like, that, that's just, that's not even a thought in the mind of a Navy SEAL is to ever give up. Like, it's just right. not even like, it's not an option. And what I often talk about to people is it's not an option not to commit to Christ. Right. Right? But here's the thing is if you have the opportunity to meet a missionary of charity, which you have, I've had, uh, you have the opportunity to meet, you know, contemporary saint. You have an opportunity to meet a Navy SEAL. Mm-hmm. Here's the one thing, kind of common thing that, and you maybe you disagree. The common thing that you walk away with is, I wish, I wish I was like that. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of just walk away being like, that would be cool. Yeah, to be a missionary charity, that'd be cool to be a walking. Sa- that would be cool to be a Navy SEAL. You know, you meet a NFL football player, that would be cool. Like there's something set apart uh, that you're attracted to by their complete and total discipline to what they're sold out for, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the mind of a of a sold out missionary charity, it's not an option to not commit to what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Not an option to give up, right? right. And, th- and that's what you're saying is that 
what people are seeing in our culture is a is a very lukewarm, mediocre Christianity, mm-hmm. not a sold out Christianity. And I think even normal people like you and I could be sold out to Christianity. People driving, listening, listening to the podcast, or in their car on the radio. It, it doesn't have to be that you have to have an alb or a stole or uh, a collar or a veil um, or uh, fatigues, right? Mm-hmm. Like you and I, normal people can be sold out and be difference makers in the world for Christ by the way that we we're 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 really all in. Yeah, and I, I have many examples of being inspired by the witness of that everyday Christianity. Um, thinking one right now where I watched a person be severely mistreated and just handle it like a pro. You know what I mean? Like like a professional Christian, <laughs> like someone who was well-trained for that moment. And it inspired me to want to be like that. Like, mm-hmm. I want to be less whiny. I want to complain less. I want to not act surprised when someone mistreats me. But in fact, I remember a little look in the eyes of almost excitement. You know, like the Lord said, rejoice and be glad on that day when they mistreat you because your reward will be great in heaven. Like when we have the opportunity to forgive, it's actually a great thing. Um, and so, yeah, it's very inspiring. Unfortunately, I, I think, you know, our bar for Christianity and being sold out is kind of like weekly mass attendance. Yeah, it's very low. It's a pretty low bar. And But we those are like boxes to check. It's mm-hmm. like, I did these things. But here's the thing. It's about living. It's about yeah. the day-to-day and those things. Because what sets you apart at work or at school or you know, with your family, you know, they say that, you know, the true character of the person in adversity, like, you know, your character when you're dealing with suffering, pain or adversity, like you, your real character comes out when you're faced with adversity. Yeah. So like, like you said, like the Navy SEAL is like, you know, something goes down in the restaurant. It's like, their character is going to come out of like mm-hmm. what they're trained for, what they're prepared for, what they're willing to do when adversity hits. Right. Yeah. And this is why our Lord says to carry that cross daily, because the daily carrying of the cross is a training for the large crosses, even the small crosses. It's a training for the large cross because you need to spring into action in those moments. Um, you know, for example, the daily penances the the church asks us to do or the daily sacrifice of our will. For example, the, the Navy SEAL needs two main things, discipline and humility. Absolutely. To, to nail it. That's the same thing as Christianity. Yeah. Like St. Benedict said, the first degree of humility is prompt obedience, hmm. right? So like if I'm still trying to do my own thing and get my own way throughout my life as a Christian, like I'm not going to make it. And this is this is what the Lord says exactly. He says if you're setting out to build a tower or defend your troops and you don't have enough materials to finish the tower, you don't have enough troops to defend, you're going to lose. And this first gut check, do I have what it takes to be a Christian, is humility. Absolutely. Am I willing to get out of the way and let the Lord do what he wants in my life and be promptly obedient to that? And that that's what stinks. You know, humility for a Navy SEAL is, is, is serving. It's it's jumping in front and, and saving someone else. Like, it, like that's all mm-hmm. courage, but it's humility you're risking yourself for the greater good of the other, right? Mm -hmm. This is the character of Christ, right? And I was recently talking to a friend of mine who's been going, going through some suffering, like treated unfairly, 
uh, talked about, um, you know, unfairly, um, had something unfair happen uh, to them, right? And like, you can list it off and you're like, man, I would be really upset, really, you know, so dealing with this adversity of pain and, and, and what, what he's saying is I want to retaliate, mm-hmm. like I want to get back, right? My feelings are telling me to, that I, I deserve to, 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 to fight back and to get back. But what the Lord is telling me is, is to forgive, right? To serve, to love. And what he's saying is like, that's really, really difficult because the easy thing to do would just be to retaliate and justify the fact that I could. Yeah. Or do nothing. But but if but if he did, there's nothing there's nothing Christ like about that that sets it apart about retaliation. That's mm-hmm. what the world does. Like that mm-hmm. you know, so what ends up happening is I think oftentimes we we, we segment our life, you know, that we compartmentalize it, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you know, I'll, I'll go to Sunday Mass, and then I'll go to work, and, and I'll have family, and then I have friends, and then I do this, and then if I get upset, I do that. But that has nothing to do with going to Mass on Sunday, right? Like, I'm justified in, like, yelling or doing this or, you know, w- w- over-drinking or, you know, like, we constantly are justifying and compartmentalizing car- 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 that. <laughs> Our faith life, mm-hmm. and the fact is, is you can't do that. Like it, it's it's all connected, and I think in a world where people look at Christians and be like, you don't consistently live your life all throughout. Mm-hmm. So what's the point? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people like look at Christianity and be like, yeah, I just don't see it making any difference. Well, and that's the shift between seeing Christianity as you belong to that group versus Christianity as you live this way, which is a big difference, you know? Right. Because, like, if we if we live basically like everyone else with a few little Christian sprinkles, we belong to a group, you know, that meets weekly, that gets excited, you know, on certain fe- saint feast days. Like, th- our group does this. But when we live this way, day in and day out, it's pretty obvious to someone when they meet us, you know, like, like the Navy SEAL, like Mother Teresa... And so I think a very important question for us all the time is like, am I treating the church, Christianity, Christ as something I belong to, or am I actually living this way? Hmm. And uh, of course, the answer is always going to be, how well am I following Jesus? Because what is the activity of the Christian? For the Navy SEAL, it's to accomplish the mission, right? Like, here's your mission, you get it done. For the missionary of charity, it's to care for the poorest of the poor, wherever they are. To, to serve Christ in the poorest of the poor. What is the Christian activity? It's following Jesus. That is it. And um, am I prepared to follow Jesus in every scenario? Am I well-trained when I'm mistreated, when a lot is demanded of me, when I need to confront someone about their bad behavior instead of just not saying anything? And I need to say, look, this is not what's best for you. Right. And you need to change this. Christianity is not just laying down all the time. No. A lot of time it's confronting because... but. It's only Christian if Jesus is asking me to do it. Right, and the humility could be confronting the person for the greater good of, of them, and it, it may not work out well. And right? we've all humility had Humility may be like, that person hates me for saying mm-hmm. something. But the reality that you know we're talking about is like, then how do we become well-trained? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you don't just... 
you know, wake up one day and you're, you're like, well, I read the Bible and now I'm, I'm ready, ready to roll. I'm ready to roll. <laughs> well, and, a lot of us do that. And that a lot of our us Lord do that. warns, warned against that, right? The rocky ground. Yep. Grows up quick, really excited. And then, yep. I mean, Jesus prophesied about it. All right. When we come back, Paul and Adam, uh, we'll talk more about it. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show, Paul and I. I'm talking Art of Living in studio. Did you travel anywhere this summer? No. You guys kind of laid low. We had a staycation. Y'all did a trip in the spring killer. or something, didn't you? We did, I think. That feels right. Maybe. Or fall. I can't remember. One of those. Do you guys have another baby? Well, actually, today is Elizabeth's eight-month uh, day. So eight months ago. Yeah, she's yeah. eight months today. Wow. Yeah. What about you? You had another baby this summer? <laughs> <laughs> another baby <laughs> um no no okay no not this summer okay no well, maybe next summer you never know you never know yeah you never know so you know i was um so is there any sort of superhero or like super job <laughs> That you ever wanted to do? It's about as random as it gets. No, um, it's not. It's like Navy SEAL or, oh. you know, like firefighter. Like you were like, man, I would have just loved to be trained in that way of life. Oh, man. I don't think so. Like I, I'm trying to remember. I think most kids have that experience. I want to be a fireman. I want to be a policeman, a doctor, superhero. I, I don't ever remember. Was there like a like a make believe superhero like Superman or I love Ninja Turtles. Wonder Woman or love Ninja Turtles a lot. Did you? Yeah. Which Ninja Turtle? All of them. All of them. For who they were. Was there one that's <laughs> called Mike? Yeah, Mikey, Michelangelo. Okay, Mikey. They're all named after you know like uh, Renaissance painters and stuff. Leonardo, I, Donatello. Okay. Raphael. Okay. Uh, what about you? I I think military. I would have loved to be trained in the discipline of the military. Mm-hmm. More so some type of special focus, mm-hmm. special ops type thing. Just to like, I'm intrigued by that stuff. Um, and to know like the training um, of it. But, but here's the, the, the connection here is that um, special ops, people who are really trained in a certain discipline, uh, here's what they don't do. Oh. They don't train themselves. <gasps> Paul. Right. Like a yeah. like a like a Navy SEAL doesn't train himself to be a Navy SEAL, correct? Right, or declare himself a Navy SEAL, or declare day. himself a Navy <laughs> SEAL. Like a an older Navy SEAL teaches a Navy SEAL how to be a Navy SEAL, mm-hmm. right? And then declares it: you are a Navy SEAL, right? Trainers mm-hmm. train and teachers teach, and and then they mentor, and and then you get to a certain level. Uh, that you're declared a special ops, right? Mm-hmm. Or you quit, right? Some people don't make it. Some people quit. Some people aren't cut out for it. 
Now, Christianity is a different thing in a sense of like we're all in God's family. We're all loved and welcomed by God, but there's a certain discipline to it. It's not a discipline that we necessarily train ourselves for. Mm. Like we have to be committed to it. We have to be committed to the plan. So the Navy SEAL has to be committed to the workouts and the early mornings and uh, the reading, the studying, the planning, all the disciplines that are put into place. You have to commit to doing those things, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But a Christian doesn't learn how to walk with Christ on their own, doesn't learn how to be committed and disciplined on their own. And I think what's happened a lot of times you know, in our world is that uh, gone <clears throat> in a lot of ways are the days of, of Christian mentorship and discipleship of like walking with people, teaching them the discipline, not by just opening a book and saying, Hey, read this and good luck, but watching a person live, Mm -hmm. how they, how they're, how they interact with people, how they pray daily, how they, um, how they handle situations and adversity. And, you know, I mean a flat tire and, what do they say when that happens? You know, um, and if you're ever around someone like that, like that's how you learn really how to implement what you read and study about Christ. But I think you're touching on one of the biggest issues in the church that maybe we don't have a good answer to yet, but you know that the best spiritual writing that we have in the history of our church was within the context of religious communities. You know, the Carmelite tradition, the Jesuit tradition, like all of it, because they started as that exact scenario. Someone decided to follow Jesus, and Jesus led them to live a certain way. That way of life attracted others to them. And usually, without social media, without newspapers, without anything, within by the time that founder died, there was quite a bit of followers mm-hmm. wrapped around this way of life and being mentored in it and led into it. And it still exists. Consider that for a second. Most religious orders in the church, well, let me not say that, the ones that are famous and worldwide, they've existed longer than like most countries. That's crazy. In other words, the the stability of mentorship is one of the most stable things in the world. Right. But here's the problem. Every family is a new family. And this has been the dilemma of the church of, of this 20th century. How do we bring the wisdom of the monastery into the family and provide for the stable the stability that that brings in family life because when you're a, a mom and a dad like you're kind of starting your own family and maybe you don't have a connection to your parents they didn't mentor you maybe or your grandparents um, in our society where the family has been so under attack like how do you even begin to mentor those that are not religious and I'm not just talking about not priests I mean uh, I mean non-religious diocesan priests they're in the same boat Right. They're not being mentored by, like, the older, wiser priest much. Because they don't live in community. They're with us. Exactly. And I think you're touching on something because, you know, I think the first training ground for mentorship and discipleship for lay people is in the family. Mm -hmm. Right? This is where you learn to live life. You learn to live life in the context of the family. Well, what's under massive attack in our culture? The family. I mean, the divorce rate's high. Um, the, The happiness of marriage is super low. Uh, Christian living within marriage is, is a minority. The uh, attention you, parents can give to their kids is at a minimum. It's at a minimum. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, by the time kids get to a certain age, they're kind of raising themselves and making their own decisions. And, uh, you know, it 
Yeah. So like the training ground happens within the context of community and family Mm -hmm. for religious orders. There's certain, you know, disciplines that's built into place. Uh, The family should be that way. I mean, you know, all Christian living should be within the context of living within with living within community and learning from the other and being mentored by the older. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, which is the way a religious community is designed. I mean, Paul, the Benedictines have been around since like the fourth century. That's nuts. Yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy to the think about the stability of that. Right. Think about that, and and that and that's not like me passing on my DNA to someone else. You see, what I'm saying mm-hmm. like like I have kids who are connected to me because of my DNA, and their family because we're we have blood. Right. We share that, and that's going to pass on, and they're going to have family and kids and you know we're connected by uh, you know this this heritage of, of dna and blood think about a religious community been around since the fourth century like they, they don't even share dna right like they don't share like family bond of blood and dna what they're sharing is a sense of a core belief in christ and the ability to to live that life together is a bond that's stronger than most families in our culture. Right. Right? Right. So much so that it's like, oh, this didn't last 50 years or 100 years, and then it died out. Right? This was just kind of cool for a couple of people. This has lasted centuries. Yes. Right? Paul George yeah. this, made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity Life. Life. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Cannot be Are you paying too much for your health care mm-hmm. costs? That, that's, Solidarity that's Health crucial is a to the Christian life. Industry, it, which provides we're not called to live this life alone. Learn it alone. While protecting um, and practicing I got a call from, from a young fellow uh, uh, this week. Solidarity Health members are exempt from I got questions about life. I need to talk through this. Visit solidarityhealthshare.org. Yes, like his ability to Learn life through the context of reaching out to other people is super important. Most people don't do that. Yeah, because we don't think to, you know. But this is the challenge of the church, I think, right now, is that our... Because these are two different universes. When you join a religious order, like you're in that universe, most of the ones we're talking about, it it's a enclosed community in the sense that like you can live your whole life within that context. Mm-hmm. And you don't necessarily... Like, you don't belong to a parish... You don't go shop at Walmart. Like, you don't have grocery bills. You know what I'm saying? Most of them, it's like, I wouldn't say closer, but the, the idea is it's a community that's self-sufficient. Right. right. And I would tell people, because a lot of people don't, you know, well, I don't have a spiritual director or whatever. Most people don't. Right. But either connect with some type of formal community, mm-hmm. right, if you're a family, or build some type of organic community of friendships that are intentional. Mm-hmm. Learn from each other. Uh, have a someone older than you that you meet with and say, you know, just learn about life from them. Like the ability to keep learning and growing from other people. Uh, and, you know, there were there were so many times when we first had kids and even still we would I would meet with friends and be like, so what do you do? Mm-hmm. How do you do this? Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like I'm failing or probably am. <laughs> you know, can mm-hmm. I learn from you? Can I sit at your feet? This is what Jesus did with the disciples, right? Mm-hmm. They sat at his feet and he taught them. But he just didn't stand above them, although he was God. Like, he lived life with them. That humility was like, I'm I'm one of you at the same time as I am your teacher. Yeah. Well, and, and this raises a question of like, yes, the family is the natural mechanism for 
this type of stability and community and mentoring and training of people. But the Christian family is more. The Christian family is on a mission, right? Like right. you, the mission is to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth that we're all participating in, and we're family as we accomplish this mission. So all the all the dynamics of family are there. You yeah. know, communication, conflict resolution, budgeting, like it's all there. But we're directing all of this effort to spreading the gospel. Absolutely. And that's the challenge is we don't have a mechanism. See, just that thought sounds distant to most of us, even that are in the church. Well, because a Christian <laughs> family is a witness to God's love to the world. Mm. That's what it is. Yep. So so you know what's been around since the beginning of time, beginning of creation? Uh, mosquitoes. Before the Benedictines? Mosquitoes. Family. Family. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, although it's under attack, it's sustained and lasted throughout time, yep. right? One, because God is family. God is community, mm-hmm. Father, Son, and Spirit, but created Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, to be family, to live in community, to live life together, right? Mm-hmm. So family has been around ever since. Like, we're all born into a family, whether we like it, know it, or want it. Like, we're God intended us to be born into a family. Some of us... That wasn't maybe the best functional place. Some of us was better. But the reality is we're all called to to form that family in the context of allowing God to be a part of that. And just by being family, not by doing anything, Mm -hmm. just by being family. You know, a man and a woman committed each other for the rest of their life as a witness of God's love to the world. Their ability to, to bring kids into the world or you know, adopt kids or foster kids and be family is God's light and witness to the world. Like just committing to that, like is a witness, right? And then from there, like it's a training ground to like love and grow and and be on mission together as a family. And and that's where first and foremost, we should be missionaries before we're like, man, I need need to go be an usher. Yeah, go be an usher. But... (laughs) If you're not ushering in your own family, right? You know, well, and that's why I think the witness of married saints are just so important today because this is kind of uncharted territory. Um, the aspirations of a family to all become saints together, to all be on mission together, to all follow the will of God together—these are ways of looking at the church and the world in our life that lay people really, by and large, did not see things until today. You know, Vatican II put a a big emphasis on personal holiness and these things like that. But like in the past, like you just did, you followed your parish priest. Your parish priest was a well-respected, heroic, holy individual. And you went to mass, you gave some to the church, you lived your life, you followed the, uh, you prayed, you followed the practice of faith as best you can. And that was kind of like the universe, right? But today we have so much more education. We have so much more access to things like the writings of the saints, you know? And so a lot of us lay people have way bigger aspirations, which is a great preparation for what God wants to actually do in the world. This army of Catholics who actually take their faith seriously is just waiting. But what are we lacking? Training and formation. We're lacking the training that the Navy SEAL got, that the missionary charity got. We're lacking the we have all the information. mentorship. Yes. We have all the information, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, the library of information is endless. We'll never be able to go through it in our lifetime. Like that's how much we have access to. 
it's the ability to to be trained in the discipline of life so that I can be committed to my commitment even when life gets difficult. All right, Paul and Adam talking to Art of Living. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul and Adam talking Art of Living in studio. And uh, I don't know. Okay, so if you could... Um, if you can um, meet someone in a book, anyone, anyone, who would it be? Anyone? Well, Jesus? Is that too cliche? No, that's not too cliche. Okay, great. I'd love. I guess I have in the Gospels, but like. Uh, One day you will. Yes. Face to face. Now, Paul would also be a good candidate. Pablo. Because he had so much training. A lot of people, you know, you simplify it to say, oh, he was on the road to Damascus, he saw the light. And then, like, went preach Jesus to the ends of the earth. But there was 14 years of him being mentored where he learned a lot. And then that came in handy as he started. Yeah, he just didn't fall off a horse <clears throat> and it was like, man, I'm going, you know, like, he had to be trained for his mission, which was intense, shipwrecked, imprisoned, beaten, mm-hmm. you know. And just, he was ready. And he was ready. So like I want he, him to get me ready. He never quit. All right. That sets us up for <gasps> a six pack of questions. Question. All right, so this uh, show's topic is training, like training for the Christian life, right? So I, I guess that's kind of become the topic. Yeah. Well, that's what I thought it was. <laughs> what did you think it was? <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> so question number one, kind of thing of like physical training, right? Part of that is diet for sure. You know, like if you're going to train for something physically, you got to check what you're putting in your body, right? Correct. So connecting that to the Christian life, my question is, what would be your recommendations for like a good spiritual diet of what to eat and what not to eat? Cool. Stay away from this. Make sure you get this. Man, that's a good question. I mean, you know, like we talked about, like we literally have a library. It's like, it's like, Piccadilly on steroids when it comes mm-hmm. to diet. Like we have all access to everything, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but you can go through a line, and there's there's bad things to eat, right? And that's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I'm gonna go a little bit different here. First of all, I would say avoid avoid negativity. Mm-hmm. Avoid negative people. Avoid Christians who are hopeless in a sense and negative because it just it just brings you down right? Um, life is hard enough as it is. And I don't know. I just, yeah, like avoid a diet of, of like negativity and, and eat a diet of gratitude of what God can do and is doing in your life today. The, the only place to get to that point, I think is, is a, is a hard diet of prayer, you know, like be consistent in having, time to sit down for the food analogy 
breakfast or lunch or dinner with Jesus and just be at the table with him, right? That's what prayer is, is, you know, when you sit down with your wife on a date, a dinner, or your family around the table, what happens? A lot of things, but mainly conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is it always ordered? No. Is it always directed? No. Is, is it always clear? No. But it's time of having conversation together, right? Mm-hmm. For us, like a diet of conversation with the Lord is super important. And to be able to sit down at the table with him, a.k.a. and just have conversation, is super, super important. If we don't have that discipline, honestly, no other disciplines fall into place. Yeah. If I'm eating jelly-filled donuts every single morning, I will not win the Olympic medal. Right. We'll fall apart in Mm -hmm. adversity. Like, our character will just not be there because we'll be agitated, we'll be ungrateful, We'll be faced with adversity and we'll flip a lid. We'll Mm -hmm. say something we regret. We will be unforgiving. Uh, We'll hold grudges. Like all this comes into play when we're able to pray and posture our life that's that's difficult. Posture it into the hands of our Lord. Love it. All right, so another thing I would do if I – sticking on the body training mm-hmm. is I would do like resistance training and specific to what I'm about to do. So if I'm like, if I'm a pole vaulter, there's certain muscles that need to be strong. I need to have a strong physique everywhere, but like there's certain muscles to pole vaulting that I need to really work on. Um, so there's a bit of a discernment to this question, I guess. So question number two is what is like a proper way to kind of build up strength spiritually um, like over time so that I'm a stronger person as a Christian a year from now than I am today. How do we build that muscle? So one of the, one of the advantages of working out is when you work out with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only way to sometimes get stronger is to actually do heavy weight, sometimes to the point where you can barely lift it. So it kind of rips your muscles and builds them up. And when you do that, you need other people around you to spot, right? Mm-hmm. So that you get stronger. You need strong people around you to make you stronger, mm-hmm. to, to keep you disciplined, to keep you sharp. And I, I just think that I, speaking for myself, get stronger when I'm around stronger people, mm-hmm. even stronger than me, right? Like when I hang out with people who are strong spiritually, I just leave their presence or the conversation like I feel better. Mm-hmm. I feel stronger. I picked up something by being around them, mm-hmm. you know? And, yeah, like, like I just think, like, that is super important. It's super important, you know? So. Love it. All right, question number three. So the mental side of training, like, you know, if we're going through a boot camp or a, um, any difficult experience of, like, pushing ourselves to a limit, all of our insecurities are going to come up. All of our, you know, coping mechanisms are going to be broken down. It's almost like training intentionally makes us deal with all of our mental issues. Um, and so it is in the spiritual life. Like when we get serious about Christianity, our mental health or our mental uh, stability is a factor, you know, that the Lord wants to work through. So what would you suggest to someone, like how to how to grow stronger mentally and, and um, especially like, to be prepared to follow Jesus where he wants me to, that my my mind, my own mind would not get in the way of that. And like I would have enough mental stability to say yes to Jesus. Hmm. I know that's a loaded question. It's so loaded. <laughs> you know, because the mind's tricky, man. Like, yeah. you know, like the mind plays tricks on us when we're isolated, 
Mm-hmm. It really does. It, the mind can convince us that of so many things, right? That we're not good enough. Someone's out to get us. Someone's out to get us. Mm-hmm. We don't know who we are. Uh, we suck at life. Uh, we're stressed. There's no hope. Like the mind can really play tricks on us. The only way to to navigate the mind, I think to, to really trick the mind in a sense of, of to your advantage is to get those thoughts out and to be around people where you feel safe to get those thoughts out. Mm-hmm. And they could be completely crazy thoughts, right? Like, like I think Jesus is asking me to start a macaroni business. Yeah. Or I don't think Jesus is real today because I'm really mad. Uh, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. that type of like safe place to get those things out of your mind. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was just reading the story of like this strong Christian author who just denounced his faith is no longer a Christian, hmm. you know, and wrote like tons of books in the nineties. It was just like, you know, not his big, you know, Christian Protestant writer. And it's like all of a sudden just denounced Christian faith. What happened? He got isolated. Like mm-hmm. his mind started playing tricks on him. Like, like all the questions that were surfacing in his mind, like he, they just kept, circling around but never coming out and bouncing off of other people people who would like really help him think through it right mm-hmm. and i think oftentimes like in our mind like we don't we don't do that to have a safe place in your marriage and your spouse and in friendships to be like man like i'm really struggling right now here's what's going on in my mind and to not feel crazy to have that sense of vulnerability i mean look at jesus when he prayed the vulnerability of his prayer is scandalous yeah right yeah but he felt so connected to the father and he felt so um willing that the father would not reject him even in his suffering and we we need that relationship with not only the lord but with with other people love it all right question number four um as we're training we will need to make some decisions of focus right so like if if i started out as a general athlete i might be drawn to baseball more than others so i focus on that and i i have to say no to a lot of things because of that mm-hmm. um so as a christian if we don't learn the art of saying no to things in our life like we'll we won't get really trained to say yes right like so if we struggle with this if 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 our training so to speak is being held back by our being spread everywhere what do we do with that how do we get a certain sense of focus and discernment into our life hmm Man, this is a loaded six pack. My my apologies, but you're nailing it. So no, I'm keep I, going. I don't really have, <laughs> you know, the, the exact answer to these because I mean I think we're all different mm-hmm. and life's, you know, organic. Um, but, you know, I would, I would say in a lot of ways it's important to discover what your gift is to the world outside of your primary vocation of marriage or religious life or you know, the clerical life, whatever the case may be, like, what, what's your gift? And just stay in that lane, because that's where you're going to best serve the world, the church and the people around you. What are you good at? And do that, even if it's in a small way. Mm -hmm. Um, And stop trying to be all things to all people or all gifts to all people. Because what you're going to do is you're just going to be very mediocre at all those things. And you're going to just get exhausted Mm -hmm. doing it. Right? Which sounds bad. Sounds bad. So give yourself permission to focus on what you're good at. Do you know? Love it. All right, question number five. So if I'm going to be trained, I need a coach. And coachability 
is something. Ooh, you just hit on actually one of my pet peeves. Did you know that? Saying coachability? Because mm-hmm. it's a bad word. No, 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 not oh. the word. <laughs> not being coachable. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, you really hit a soft spot. Well, my question is, how do you know if you're coachable or not? I think, well, you talked about humility earlier. And the opposite of that, I think, is pride. Like, mm-hmm. just the pride to not be coachable, to feel like you have it all together, to feel like you don't need to ask somebody what to do, to feel like you could figure it out on your own, I think is one of the greatest obstacles to Christi- the Christian life. Mm-hmm. Like, who are you <laughs> to have it all figured out? And who am I? Mm-hmm. Like, at what point? And I would say, don't wait to the point to where you're, like, done. Like, be proactive in being coachable, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, you may have a good marriage. Don't you want it better? Find someone who's got a great marriage. Like, mm-hmm. just constantly be coachable. You have a prayer life? You want it better? Find out someone who has a – like, the ability to constantly be teachable and coachable. Honestly, I think if we could ask people to pray for a gift on this show, it would be the gift to be that. Hmm. Like the, just the humility to be teachable and coachable. Because when we have that, we're constantly absorbing lessons from other people. I love it. Yeah. All right, question number six. Let's say we've listened to this show and we realize something very important. I am a Christian wuss. Right? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a special ops. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a Navy sword. SEAL. I'm not even in the Navy. I'm just, I'm a wuss. Top do and don't with that situation. So, like, I'm. It's hitting me hard, Paul George. You, you got me. I'm a wuss. <laughs> Give me a top do and don't. <laughs> well, the, I think don't don't sit in, don't sit in like self hatred, mm. like because that's the devil. It's like, oh, you suck at this. Just keep sucking. <laughs> like, don't sit in that. Uh, so that would be the top don't because we're we're all failures in some way, shape, or form. Some days, like, so so get over it. So mm. don't sit in that. And then be proactive in saying, you know what, let me let me start with one thing that I can start be disciplined in. You know, is is my prayer life off track? Um, am I just been, you know, like not loving people well? Have I not been serving well? Like, what is a discipline you could put into place that can help pull you out and to say, okay, like I'm moving forward. And that's that's the thing. Like, we just want to be doing baby steps every day, walking with Jesus towards the goal of eternal life with Jesus Christ. Love it. Amen. That was a great six pack. All right, dude, you wore me out. I'm yeah. exhausted. I, you, you know, we took it. a few weeks off and then you just like trying to like, <laughs> well, I missed all this stuff. So, so anyway, <laughs> it was great actually meeting you in person. I didn't even have to read about you. Oh, same yeah. here, buddy. Yeah. So anyway, you can find the show on a podcast, discover the art of living.com or iTunes, Google play, SoundCloud. You can share it. Let people know about it. Thanks to everyone who listens on the radio here in Louisiana. Uh, We're super grateful for you and obviously to all our sponsors. And we have a marriage conference coming up and an engaged conference coming up. So check out discovertheartofliving.com for those things. All right. See you guys next week. God bless.